Hello and welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement. Hope you're having a good week and uh, getting ready for a weekend of pickleball. This week we're going to talk about a couple of different things. First, we're going to talk about outballs and we're going to talk about how outballs or maybe not understanding outballs well is costing you a ton of points. You're losing a lot of rallies because you're hitting too many balls. And then in the riff, we're going to talk about popcorn ceilings. Maybe you have it in your house. Maybe you don't. Maybe you see one in a hotel. We're going to talk about popcorn ceilings and how they apply to pickleball. So let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. You'd like to help your friend or family member learn how to play pickleball, but how? Now it's easy. Pick up a copy of Play Pickleball, A Beginner's Guide. It's the most complete guide to playing pickleball. Available as a digital download or in hard copy at intopickle.com or at Amazon. Let's keep growing the sport. Before jumping to the podcast, I want to take a quick minute to congratulate my partner, CJ Johnson. Her YouTube channel, Better Pickleball, has been in existence for about three years or so, and it's gotten to 30,000 subscribers. That's a crazy good number, so congratulations to CJ. If you have not yet subscribed to Better Pickleball, come on, folks. What are you waiting for? Get over there and subscribe. So we're talking about outballs, and what do we mean by outballs? Let's let's define that first. An outball is not a ball, necessarily, that lands out. When we're talking about outballs today, what we're talking about is we're talking about balls that have a good chance of going out. In other words, they look like they're going to go out. And the question is, what do you, what should you do with that ball? So think about it like this. Let's take, uh, I'm going to pick a name, let's say Mark, right? And Mark is a banger. Mark hits the ball hard. Every time he's on the court, he just drives everything, right? And so you know he's going to hit every ball hard. The you can't And you can't control Mark, right? Mark's going to play like Mark's going to play. It's right to play however he wants to play. So he's just gonna he's gonna he's gonna pull back and rip every shot that he gets. So the question then is, well, what can you do to you know to, to deal with that? What's in your power? The most important weapon that you have when you're playing with a player like Mark is to is the decision to engage or not to engage when he hits the ball. What I mean by that is, Mark drives the ball; it's coming your way. You now have a decision to make: Are you going to engage that ball? or not engage that ball. If you engage the ball, then you're going to hit a volley, right? You're going to have to hit a volley. You're going to have to deal with it. If you choose not to engage with the ball, then the ball will either land in or it will land out. And the use of the term out here obviously means actually landing out. So those are the two cho- two, uh, two outcomes that happen if you choose not to engage the ball. What ends up happening too often is that we engage balls that we should not engage. We allow players like Mark to dictate the terms of engagement, dictate the terms of play, because we hit everything, right? And so Mark then can just fire away and with no consequence to, to firing away at us because we're hitting too many balls. Now, the best way, if you want to defuse someone like a Mark, right? And again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody out there named Mark, so if your name is Mark, I apologize, but I need a name. So if, if you want to defuse Mark the Banger, the best way to defuse Mark the Banger is to is to is to make his shot ineffective. And the way you make his shot ineffective is by letting his shot go out. And out meaning like literally go out. And so, you know, so what you want to do is you want to think about a couple of things. You want to think about where is Mark hitting the ball from and how capable am I as a volleyer? Those are a couple of ways you can look at it. If Mark's hitting the ball from the baseline, from his baseline then the chance of his ball landing in goes up. And you, 
should generally be able to handle the volley more easily because you have more time, the ball's not coming as hard, you have, you know, you can get your paddle on it, etc. If, however, Mark is driving the ball from his no, not no volley zone line, so he's lit, he's 14, 15 feet away from you when he drives it, two things. One, the chance of his ball going out drastically increase. But secondly, and equally importantly, the chances of you successfully volleying his drive go down. You have less time. The ball's right on top of you. It's coming much harder because it's right there. And it's going to be harder for you to react to that. So you're going to have a harder time with it. And the chances of his ball going out go up. So in those situations, more often than not, and I would say, I'd venture to say if any, most any player that you play with is driving the ball from near the non-volley zone line on their side of the court, I would venture to, I'm going to throw out a number about 80% of those balls are going to go out. By 80%, if they're driving it hard, they're going to go out. So what you're doing is you're taking a situation where you you could win, you know, seven, eight, nine shots out of 10 are going to be in your favor and you're creating an uncertain situation. And I would suggest to you, if you think about it, you're probably creating a situation where you're not going to win more than that. So if you're, let's say, let's just say it's seven out of 10. So seven out of 10 are going out, but you decide to engage all those shots, right? So if you let them, if let's, let's, let's break it down. If you, if you let them all go out, you just don't engage in any of them. He's going to win three points and lose 10 in that scenario. If you engage, right? If you, if you hit the ball, then I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm pretty confident that for most players that I, that I work with, I see, etc., you're not going to win more than seven out of 10 in that situation, meaning that your, your, your win percentage went down because you're engaged, right? So what I want you to start doing is start looking at out balls or the possibility of out balls as something that you should maybe let some more balls go. The other thing is you're never going to know until you start doing it, right? You're, you're never going to know, okay, is that a ball that's going to go out or not going to go out until you start letting the balls go. And one thing that's really important when you start working on out balls and letting out balls go is you cannot analyze out balls in hindsight. You cannot, you, you don't say, okay, the ball landed in, I made a mistake, or the ball landed out, I made a right decision. You have to make a decision with incomplete information. You're making a decision at the time that Mark hits the ball, right? Based on where he is, how hard he hits it, how, his preparation, how high the ball is, all those things. You're making a decision, let the ball go or hit it, engage or not. And you have to make that decision based on that information. Sometimes you're going to be right, and sometimes you're going to be wrong. And as you as you progress, as you do this more and more, you'll get better at it. But what you should not do is criticize yourself in hindsight and say to yourself, okay, I let the ball go, it landed in, I made a mistake, I should have hit it. That is not the right way of looking at it. The right way of looking at it was, I let the ball go, period. Was I was my decision to let the ball go a good decision at the time I made it? There's many times that I play with players and they'll let the ball go and they'll land in and they'll be upset. They'll be like, oh, I should have hit it, whatever. And I'll tell them, I said, I, I think you made the right decision, right? I think letting that ball go was a perfectly reasonable thing for you to do. And okay, landed in, move on. And I can tell you, you know, many, many stories. That's actually one of the things that I think I do fairly well is letting out balls go. And, um, you know, I've, pl- I've played matches where, uh, you know, our games where I let the ball go, ball go, out, out, out. And then, you know, it'll land in eventually, right? So it lands in and then 
my friends I play with will say, ah, you know, let it go. You let it go again, whatever. And in my mind, I'm saying to myself, okay, fine. You got that rally. You won that rally. But I'll take the four or five that I got before that, and I'll give you that one. So if I can take, if I can get four or five and give you one, more than happy to do that. So give that some thought, and next time you're out there playing, and consider maybe trying to let a few more out, more balls go, more drives from Mark go. Let let those balls that Mark's ripping just let them fly. See what happens, and start working on your ability to recognize out balls and when you should let them go. Because I assure you that is a fount of of winning rallies and games that's waiting for you. If you're curious about popcorn ceilings and what they have to do with pickleball, stay tuned for the riff. Our 2021 VI Pickleball camps held by CJ Johnson and myself in Lake Tahoe, Nevada this September are currently sold out. You can get on the waiting list for those, but we will be holding our 2022 camps in January in lovely Tampa, Florida. It'll be a great time of year to come to Tampa. If you're interested in receiving information about the camps, send us an email at camps at wearepickleball.com. Again, camps with a plural at wearepickleball.com, and we'll make sure you get that information. You ever wonder why they put those you know popcorn ceilings that they, they spray that stuff on the ceiling to make it look like popcorn up there or they use orange peel or some sort of a finish on on walls or on ceilings drywall walls and ceilings one of the reasons the principal reasons why they use that is to cover imperfections in other words it, it you don't have to have such a good finish on your on your drywall on your on your uh, compound that you put down when you're going to just simply spray it with some orange peel or some a uh, popcorn ceiling it covers up a lot of uh, defects in the underlying work that's been done. And what got me thinking was, well, you know, how does that apply to pickleball, right? So it seems kind of a stretch, but I'll, I'll, I'll get there. Um, it got me thinking about the idea that, you know, sometimes in life we look for things that are basically like we're trying to cover up something that probably should be worked on instead. So an example would be, let's say that you're having trouble with your third shot and you know, there's many reasons why you could be having trouble with your third shot. It could be your weight transfer. It could be your, you know, your the, the, your weight balance while you're hitting. It could be the grip pressure. It could be the way you're swinging, not from the shoulder, but using your wrist, things like that. So what we'll do is we'll run out and we'll um, we'll get a paddle or, you know, something like that, or we'll we'll yeah, watch a video or you know try and find some solution to the problem uh, that essentially ends up being nothing more than adding popcorn ceiling or orange peel to the wall uh, or the ceiling. So instead of looking for the popcorn ceiling or the cover-up of whatever's happening in your game, try and get to the base of it, right? And that's why, you know, when, when CJ and I, uh, in, in, you know, in both Better Pickleball and Two Pickle and, and VI Pickleball, right, the, the joint effort that we have with the two, um, you know, we always focus on fundamentals. Our focus is on fundamentals. We try and avoid the, you know, the silver, the, the you know, the shiny object kind of stuff. Because that, at the end of the day, a lot of times ends up being the popcorn ceiling. You know, it doesn't get to the root of the issue. Whereas if you work on the fundamentals, you work on your footwork, you work on the fundamentals of your pendulum swing, you do some mirror drills and things like that, uh, you're going to get better and get better like for real. Meaning like it's going to be it's going to be long lasting. It's not going to be prone to injury. Uh, you know, so that's really uh, why our focus is on those things. And I would suggest to you, you do the same in your game. Try and look at the at your game and its improvement as you know try and work on your on your plaster work more than simply grabbing a uh, can of uh, orange peel or a popcorn ceiling and throwing it on there so that's how popcorn ceilings relate to pickleball anyway enjoyed you i hope you enjoyed this uh, this week's podcast i certainly enjoyed making it for you 
And uh, as always, uh, if you can give it a rating, that's uh, awesome. And whatever platform you listen to it. And check out our video this week. Uh, we talk about the height of the ball versus the depth of the ball. It's a really interesting video. We're looking at it. Obviously, it's in our channel. And as always, if you like the podcast, please share it with your friends. If you liked it, they probably will too. Stay well out there, and we'll see you next week.